Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Networks. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello, everyone. This is the Life Coach Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio. My guest today is Gina Costa of New Beginnings with Gina. She is both a cancer survivor and caretaker as well as a brilliant cancer coach. I'm your host, Jan Jaffe. Welcome to your best life. I'll just take a moment to introduce myself. I'm a graduate of Northwestern University, from which I hold both my bachelor's and master's degrees. I'm also an IPEC certified professional coach, energy leadership index master practitioner, and a core well-being dynamic specialist. I had a successful international career as a concert and opera singer and voice and master class teacher, which was cut short by traumatic brain injuries. These TBIs, as they're called, altered my life. I lost language for six weeks and was thrilled after four months when I was finally able to walk with the aid of a walker. My recovery took many, many years and was extremely difficult, but as a result, I've come to discover many things about myself and about life, namely what it is to lose oneself, definition, career, and purpose in life and feel totally lost, that there is great strength in vulnerability, that there can be great opportunity and challenge, strengths I had never known I had, the true meaning of resiliency, and that I am very good at picking myself up, dusting myself off, and hurling myself forward. I do not mean to make it sound as though it was an easy or straightforward process. It most certainly was not. With Forward to Success, I am dedicated to helping professional women achieve optimal success, realization of their potential, and passion, purpose, life balance, and well-being in every aspect of their lives. You can contact me at info at forwardtosuccess.com. I met Gina Costa via our connection with IPEC, which is the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching, where we both studied and received our coach training and certification. Gina is certified by both IPEC and the ICF, which is the International Coach Federation. In addition to her work as a cancer coach, she works as a helpline attendant for Living Beyond Breast Cancer. She's also a Reach to Recovery Specialist for the American Cancer Society and a facilitator for IPEC. 
Gina also wrote an article for Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine, which is scheduled to appear in the fall issue featuring Good Morning America's Amy Robach on the cover. I am very excited and delighted to have Gina Costa, my dear friend and colleague, as my guest on today's show. Welcome, Gina. Wow, Jan. (laughs) Thank you uh, for such a beautiful introduction. And I have to say, um, you know, you just sharing your story resonated with me so much because, I mean, we all have different niches, but even in terms of survivorship, so much of what you said in your description of what you do um, really applies to survivors and really applies to all of us, I think, in life. Um, You know, just picking ourselves up and dusting ourselves off, as you said, during these life challenges is really the energy level or the space that we want to get to or to learn to um, be in when we're in those lower energy levels. So thank you so much for the in- introduction. I'm so happy to be here today um, to chat with you and any callers, um, you know, our listeners and, and any callers that come in. Um, you know, I think you gave me a great in- introduction there. I'm filled <laughs> with gratitude for that. So, um, you know, just let me know where you would like to begin. Okay, well, thank you. And um, you know, just to just to uh, to uh, hook into something you said about picking yourself and dusting yourself, you know, picking yourself up and dusting yourself off. It's you know, it can be like uh, quite a process just to pick yourself up and then dust yourself off. So, uh, I neither Gina nor I want to make it sound as though it's like okay, on to the next thing. Um, it is a process. So um, I would like to invite our listeners to call in with any questions or comments. As always, we welcome your calls, your questions, your comments, your contribution to the discussion. The number here to call is 646-716-9397. Again, that's 646-716-9397. So, Gina, first of all, let me say once again how delighted I am to have you here on the show. Uh, I'm sure our listening audience is curious about a lot of things, but maybe one of the first things for people who are not coaches, um, they may want to know, how do you, Gina, define coaching? Uh, Okay, so the way that I define coaching... um and in, in, in terms of survivorship and in terms of life is really, um, so the coaching is about, you know, the, the client's agenda. So some issue that they're bringing to the table that they would like to figure out. So, you know, they're kind of at point A and they want to be at point B, but they can't figure out what where the gap is or what the gap is or how to get from point A to point B. So what coaching does is, So based on what the client's agenda is and what the coach is hearing, um, you know, and then obviously we have tools that come into play, acknowledging and validating and probing and asking empowering questions so that the client um, can really create their own answers, and those answers have to come from within. And we all know that we show up in different energy levels um, on any given day and, you know, in so many different ways. So it's really about educating them um, around these energy levels and opening up um, awareness inside of them so that they can then finally move forward and take action. And, again, it's, it's really the choice is up to them. 
Um, there's no pushing, um, you know, in coaching. Coaching is all about things that are, in, are happening in your present life. It's not therapy, which deals mainly um, about things in the past. Coaching can definitely touch on the past because we all have things that happened in our past that relate to where we are now. Um, you know, coaching is about recognizing and letting go of old limiting beliefs, um, old patterns, n you know, negative behaviors, um, you know, inner critic, what our thoughts and feelings and emotions create and how they affect or, or our actions or inaction. So that's really what the coaching process is all about. And it's certainly um, had an impact on my life. I've had, you know, many life challenges, um, you know, anxiety and depression in my 20s, losing my mom and having my daughter in my 30s. So I I was had been in therapy um, myself before to figure things out. Um, but coaching is a little bit different, and it's really um, for people who want to create change in their lives and in the now. They want to go from, you know, functioning, they're functional now, but they really want to go to an optimal level. And that's where I take my clients, and, I, you know, I am fully enjoying the journey every day, developing, you know, continuing my own personal development and being coached by my coaches, my personal coaches and my business coaches. So I love the process. So it's really about opening, you know, the client has to be committed um, and willing to face some fears and challenges, but to break through, through those um, fears and challenges and blocks so that they can take action and really live the life that they want. And as you know, my passion is around um, coaching survivors and caregivers. And, you know, it's completely valid and normal. I've been down that road. Um, my journey is not my client's journeys, but there's certainly time where you do live in those low energy levels, but I really feel like it's about understanding them and pushing through them. And so where do you want to take this? Do you want to, you know, mm -hmm. take it and remain, you know, in a lower energy level, or do you kind of want to take it, which I think most survivors do, and say, hey, this is kind of a, a wake-up call, so what can I do? With it? You know, I'm going to do what mm -hmm. I have to and be proactive in my cancer journey, but how am I going to use this to recreate my life? That's you know that is such a beautiful what you've just described for especially for someone who doesn't know anything about coaching first of all that was such a beautiful description and thank you for that and also um the way that IPEC trained coaches work is a little bit different in that yes we do everything that all you know that other that is basic to coaching but like you said this getting into limiting beliefs and the the inner blocks that can you know you can uh, someone can have a plan they've come up with a goal and a plan and still not be able to move forward so um what you what you touched on was the inner work that is not therapy but the thing and, and more of a consciousness and awareness of who we really are and how we how we function and what's holding us back which is not therapy because as as you mentioned therapy is healing the past and this right. is about moving forward. And, of course, the two can, can happen at the same time if you can have a therapist and a coach, but they're two different modalities. So, um, so you touched on this a little bit about what, what made you get into coaching or what brought you into coaching in the first place. Um, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more so that our listening audience understands a bit more about 
about what brought you into coaching. Because sure. it's obvious how much you love <laughs> the modality. But, you know, you weren't always a coach. So what no, brought and, you into and, coaching? Right, and, and I want to reiterate, as you said, Jan, that there's a time for therapy and there's a time for coaching. So, you know, mm-hmm. just to get that clear. Um, so I have been a real estate paralegal for the past 30 years and very successful in that field. But kind of just going back, and, and as you said, as IPEC coaches, we use the core energy coaching model, which is really going back to our core and figuring out really what our purpose is um, and what we want to do from our, you know, coming from our heart and our intuition. So I think for me, going way back, you know, even as a child, I felt like I I had a voice, but it was never really heard um, because I felt because of the dynamic in my family, it was sort of quashed. And then, as we know, and there's no right or wrong here, we're all, you know, given a set of beliefs um, or rules from our parents and our community and our teachers on how we should live our lives. Um, And nobody really tells us that we have a choice to change that. So, you know, I kind of went in the direction of the legal because I I remember I was in high school and, you know, it was like, oh, my God, you have to have a major. You need to know what you're going to do when you go into that first year of college. So I took a a business course in law and I kind of fell in love with it. And that's how I got Hmm. um, involved in my legal work. I loved the teacher and then I got into college and I loved my professor And I really developed that. I do love the work that I still do there. But bringing that a step further, I always felt like there was something that I was missing in my life or that there was something more that I could pursue. Um, And because I didn't have a voice as a child, I always kind of loved to talk to people. And, again, at their will, just try to open them up and see if I could sort of break the walls down a little bit so that they could express themselves further. And then, as you know, Jan, um, I think really the impetus um, for all this was um, the point in my life when, um, I mean, I had other life experiences before that, divorce and stuff, but when I lost my mom to ovarian cancer, um, so she was diagnosed with a late-stage ovarian cancer, and I basically became her caregiver and walked through that journey with her. Um, She survived, you know, a couple of years with that, and then I was kind of, it was just a crazy situation because here she was at this point, um, you know, kind of at the end of her life, and I had been going to all her doctor's appointments and had kind of been her buffer, so I knew, you know, kind of what was unfolding in front of us. But I was also at the happiest point of my life, um, being in a new relationship and, you know, nine months pregnant and going to my mom uh, to an appointment with one of her doctors, and she had joined us at the time. um, And I remember him saying, I think she has about two weeks to live. And the next day I went to my gynecologist, and he said, we're going to deliver your baby in two weeks. And what ultimately wound up happening was I was scheduled to be induced because I was beyond my due date. Um, My mom passed away, and we literally had to hold the funeral because I was in the hospital giving birth to my daughter. Um, And, again, as eerie and crazy as it sounds, you know, I came home from the hospital and put my daughter in the bassinet and literally had to get dressed and go to the funeral parlor. And the next day when I was at the cemetery, I I was fine. But then right after that, it just became a cloud. 
for me. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm, you know, kind of talking about those dark moments. And I'm not saying that people have to experience dark moments like this, but this is kind of what enlightened me. So I was in this grief-induced postpartum depression for about a year, which was horrible because I was functioning, but I didn't know how to get myself out of it, Um, you know, aside of the help of therapists and medications. And I remember my husband saying, you know, will I ever get my wife back? And then me thinking, will I ever get my life back? Mm -hmm. And then finally, you know, with the grace of God, um, when I came out of that and I was finally able to get clear, um, that's when, you know, it really hit me that I wanted to, this experience was so excruciating and so horrible. And it also brought me to the past where I had kind of a negative background. So it really kind of hit me that I think this is a time to turn all my negative experiences into positives. Mm. Um, And that ultimately, you know, led me to being very proactive around my own health, um, getting genetic testing, into fundraising for women's cancers. Um, And, you know, so that was kind of a step where my passion was, I guess, highlighted a little bit. Um, And so I continued, you know, doing the fundraising and continued looking for that more. Um, And one point I decided, you know, I've raised over $100,000 for this cause. Now I think I might stop. Um, You know, I don't know. I've been successful at this, you know. It was good, but I thought I might let it go or take a year off. And then my sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. And even with the history of cancer in my family, you know, we were shocked. I wish I, I, I feel like, I mean, I'm not in her head, but in some ways I felt like I was more emotional because I felt like I was helpless. How could I help her? She was going through this, and then a year later, I myself had almost the same identical diagnosis um, and had to, you know, have a double mastectomy and reconstruction surgeries. Um, And then just to fast forward it, because I know I'm talking a lot here, and just to get to the point of the story, um, I was um, called on to be the topic of a survivor story for a fundraising event that I was doing in Manhattan. And the writer of the story happened to be a life coach. We became friends. Um, I started getting to know about coaching a little bit. Again, I had dabbled in the past and always really loved personal development, so it kind of clicked for me. She forwarded an email to me and said, you should do this. I followed up with it, spoke to um, Tambra Lane, one of the coaches Mm -hmm. who's very involved in survivorship at IPEC. She forwarded me to Myra Simon, my admissions coach. And as they say, the rest is history. And I just I just fell in love with it. You know, I was very, I, I'll be honest with you, I was terrified. I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? What did I sign up for? You know, because um, I was still doing my legal work. But, you know, it, it's funny how when your eyes are open, you know, how things come to you. And if you la- allow things instead of, you know, living in force and just go with the flow, how, you know, so many beautiful things, you you know, you finally start to see them happening and opening up in your life. So Absolutely. That's... And, you oh, Gina, thank you so much for that. <laughs> you know, what you just described is the law of attraction. 
And that's why I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but this is, people do not understand the law of attraction. They think if you want something it will, bad enough, it will come to you. And that's mm-hmm. not what it is. It's the energy, you're, as, as you and I know and, and a lot of us know from IPEC, it's the energy you're putting out there. It's what mm-hmm. you're doing, who you're being, not you know who you are authentically being, not pretending to be or a mask you're wearing. And that is what you attract, and that is what you are attracting and what you do attract attract and i want to thank you so much for telling your story because you know i have heard this before more than once in you know when we first got to know each other and then when you've spoken gina is a brilliant speaker and um and every time i hear this i i just i i gasp because it's such an amazing story and gina is so heartfelt and natural and vulnerable and resilient so um it's just she's she's an amazing person and she attracts some incredible stuff into her life one of the things i want to point out from what you what you were saying because you said a lot of really wonderful things you know in telling your story um was that pain equals actually equals growth mm-hmm. uh, it depends on what we do with it and what mm-hmm. our our energy is around it and how our thinking is if we if we're victim or angry no we won't look at it as that but there is pain in some of the greatest things in life for example childbirth not mm-hmm. painless right but in mm-hmm. order to to give birth to a new life which is one of the most amazing things you have to go through a lot of pain um any athlete knows that you know no pain no gain right um, so pain, right? So pain equals growth. And then what you were describing in along the lines with talking about the birth of your child and everything you went through was your own rebirth. So mm-hmm. you went, you took negatives and created positives. That is part of the pain gain, the pain, you know, no pain, no no gain, the the re, the growth and the the rebirth. And right. then the another thing you mentioned is um, something about going through life functioning. You said that first year you were functioning and your husband want, was wondering if he'd ever get his wife back and you were aware and wondering, uh, will I ever get my life back? And basically a lot of people are not aware that they are functioning on autopilot. They're surviving and they're not living. Mm-hmm. So um, and and being shut down often prevents us from feeling the discomfort of that because we just want to feel comfortable. And so, in order to grow, as this is again what you were describing, in order to grow, we have to be comfortable with discomfort mm-hmm. um, because it's a scary place. But moving forward often can be a little scary. Mm-hmm. But um, there's. And that's why I think there are a lot of challenges that are going on out there, people doing crazy bungee jumping, because when you face a fear, there is this amazing elation afterwards and this feeling of strength that we we don't get if we don't push ourselves into a discomfort level to put, by pushing ourselves forward. But by staying on autopilot um, and sort of shut down, we're comfortable um, in what we think is safe, but we're really not, we're barely functioning. 
So um, thank you for all of that. And there's, I have another question that is a little bit, that also touches on what you said, but I'm curious about this. And I think maybe our, our listening audience may be too. You talked about, um, you know, parenting and, and how you grew up and that there is no right or wrong. Um, so I'm wondering, and I know a bit about how you and your husband are <laughs> as parents, uh, amazing parents. So I want to know, how do you bring that uh, concept into your own role as parents? And, right. uh, and what, what do you think the results for your kids are or will be? And I'm getting chills uh, <laughs> just <laughs> thinking about that question, Jan. Um, <laughs> and again, it's a challenge for me and a process. Um, and again, you know, we're talking rather nicely on the phone, and I don't, you know, want this to seem all sugar-coated. You know, I have my days mm-hmm. and I have my challenges, as we all do. Um, mm-hmm. So to answer your question, um, and I think as you know and as we all know, so we're parented in one way, and, you know, our parents are doing life as best as they can, you know, under the circumstances that they were given. And so I think as we grow into adulthood or even recognize as a child, as I feel like I did, you know, that that's really not the life that I wanted to live. Um, Oh, my God, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I think we either, you know, so we'll either be those parents again to our children Mm -hmm. Or we may do a twist a little bit further and maybe make some changes and maybe have some addictions or whatever to tolerate. Or, and I'm not saying I don't have any addictions, but or we do a 360. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And we really try to um, change that because, for me, I, I just think I'm a very sensitive person, and I was highly sensitive to my childhood, and maybe even more so as a parent, because I felt really guilty um, for that period that I went through being in that depression and not being present for my child. Um, but basically, you know, again, so it's work, and it's all this internal stuff. And, okay, so if I make, if I, you know, stay in this bad energy, where is it going to get me? So let me do what's best for me or what I think is best for me or how can I better parent my children? So getting back to that, I think, you know, I parented my children um, when they were younger with, too much sensitivity, meaning um, I probably didn't yell. I mean, I I didn't really yell or scream at them. I'm not saying that I had to, but there was a lot of yelling and screaming in my house. So I think maybe I lacked um, some discipline. I should have been more disciplined in some areas. Um, but, you know, again, raising children, you know, there's no book that comes with it. And as you grow mm. and as you evolve – you know, you learn what, you know, what's right or wrong for yourself. And, again, there's no right or wrong. But I think then because of my sensitivity and negative background and the way I felt like I was quashed or I had no voice, and, again, this was a struggle for me, especially now with a 13-year-old daughter who's, you know, trying to come into her own. So what I've tried to do with my children, which is, again, a whole process, and I couldn't even begin to describe it, was – um, really to, you know, simply put, 
pick my um, battles with them. And, you know, when they're disrespectful, you know, let them know that they're disrespectful and let them know the words that are coming out of their mouths and how they're saying that. But if my daughter, you know, I'll give you the, uh, the prime, of a prime example. So what I want to do with my children is let them be and let them evolve into the people that they were born to be. So recently, as a way of example, and my daughter, I was almost in tears the other day because she has such good values, but yet these are the things that come out of her mouth. <laughs> so she recently decided she's going to be an atheist, and now I'm raised Catholic. <laughs> so she wants to be, she proclaimed she's atheist, and she proclaimed um, that she wants to be homeless so she doesn't have to pay the government taxes. Now, normally, <laughs> I think a parent would, you know, react and not respond to that. And in some ways, I wanted to to react and, and not respond, but I had to pull myself back, again, just from all the processes that I've gone through, um, and say to myself, you know, she's 13 years old. She's exploring. She's independent. She doesn't go along with the crowd. At the same time, she was uh, telling you know, professing she was going to be an atheist. She was talking to my niece and telling my niece, um, having a conversation with my niece, how could you do that? That's what God gave you. You know, why would you make that choice? So I was kind of telling this to a friend, and, and again, I was almost brought to tears because I, I was actually always worried because my kids went to public school and I went to Catholic school, and I always wanted them to have values. Um, and I realized that despite you know, these little offshoots that she goes into, she really has great values, and she's really a good and kind and sensitive person. Does she make me crazy sometimes? Do I want to punish her and take things away from her? <laughs> yes. Um, but yet, at the same time, I have to allow her to be. So I think there's really a fine line, you know, in the parenting, and I don't know if I'm doing right or wrong, and I try to deal with my son in the same way. He's a little bit less um, expressive and emotional because he's a boy, but he does have little fits of anger and things like that. And we encourage him to talk um, and speak his words and things like that. But, you know, really, um, and as, you know, everybody knows out there, and sometimes I feel guilt because I feel a lot of separation with my children right now, especially at this age, which I never thought I'd feel at this age. I should be doing more with them. I should be being with them. They're in their rooms. Why am I not engaging with them? But ultimately, I think they need that space. And, mm -hmm. again, as we all know, we can just guide our ch All we can do is guide our children. You know, mm -hmm. we it, sounds, it sounds like what you're doing, though, is you are guiding them, but you're also not you're not uh, in, insisting you're, that they that they turn into your version of them. Mm -hmm. So it, absolutely, and you're, yeah. You're, it used to make me insane when my daughter would wear what I would call a potato sack, but I let her wear a potato sack until she evolved into this beautiful woman. And now I'm like, where's the tomboy? You're spending all my money on these clothes, you know. So. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you also were descri describing awareness, basically, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and so that you're not reacting to things. You're, as a parent, you're considering everything. You're thinking about things. It's an, an amazing awareness of what's going on and considering what is the best thing to do, the best option. What's, who is it going to serve? How is this going to serve 
my child? How is it going to serve me? How am I helping to create uh, a, a, a really healthy human being? So it's, it and, sounds like there's a lot of respect there. I'm sorry, go on. Right. No, and, and what I'm saying also is, I, you know, it's not just letting her just, uh, it's letting her be, but also having discussions around that that mm-hmm. she may not want to hear, but just mm-hmm. she, I'm letting her have a voice, so I, I want to have a voice. She may totally shut me down. But mm-hmm. as we know, our kids are very aware also, and even when they shut us down, I think they hear what we're saying. So just to kind of have vo- both voices speak. Mm-hmm. So do you think your, your, um, your parenting would have been different without the coaching training? Um, I wouldn't say. I think it's, um, I actually think it is better because of the mm-hmm. coach training. I think I was um, very in tune to it. Um, but as a way of example, coaching taught me, I was actually talking to my coach at the time, um, and I said, you know, when I come home from work, I go in and I open my daughter's door, and the first thing she says is, can you leave? <laughs> and the coach said to me, what would it feel like, you know these questions, <laughs> if you just came home from work and you just got went in your room and got undressed and took your shower and went on the couch and allowed her to come to you. Mm-hmm. So that's what that was so I was working on it but that mm-hmm. gave me a different twist on things. So mm-hmm. if I'm forcing her, obviously she's not going to want to talk to me. But if mm-hmm. I don't appear and then she's going to be like, "Where's mommy? Like did she even mm-hmm. ever come home or you know, something comes across her mind she wants to have obviously she's going to come out of her room." Right, but you're, this way you're giving her the choice, and it might have been a little uncomfortable for you, but it Absolutely. was something. It, what, oh the, it, what coaching does <laughs> often is ask questions, and we can say it wouldn't feel good, or I, this not, it's not something I'd want to consider. But uh, yeah, it also, felt like a horrible mother, but that was in my view and my beliefs, and right. you know, they were totally false. Exactly. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, I'm just going to take a break right now uh, for our public service announcement. If I'm not sure if that's the right way to call this. It is uh, about Audible.com, who is uh, our sponsor here on Life Coach Radio Networks. Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet offering customers a new way to enhance and enrich their lives every day. Audible is the preeminent provider of spoken word audio products, which include more than 100,000 audio programs from more than 1,800 content providers. Receive a free audiobook with your 30-day trial when you sign up with Audible today at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. On Audible, uh, there are a couple of titles that I've chosen today that relate to our topic. And the first one is a book by Elizabeth Edwards, Saving Grace. And that is, of course, about her experience with breast cancer. And the second one is a book about the uh, living with and dealing with the cancer experience, both from the uh, survivor and the caretaker. 
And this book is is by Edward Janus, J-A-N-U-S, and it's entitled You're Not Alone. So that's uh, audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio to receive a free audio book with your 30-day trial. Audible.com, making listening a tool for life. And now let's get back to our show. Um, So, Gina, I wanted to know, um, do you find that coaching is especially helpful for the cancer experience over, say, therapy? And if so, why is that? Yeah, you know, it's funny um, that you asked that question, Jan, because I was actually talking to it, uh, talking to a couple of clients about it. And as I said, um, I had experienced therapy in the past, so it's a little different for me. For me, So what I'm hearing from um, actually a, a new client that I just signed up who's feeling rather lost and um, other clients is, and, and I'm not sure if it's not the right connection or the right therapist, but what I've heard them tell me is, that they've had conversations with therapists or, you know, social workers that are, um, you know, on call or employed by the hospital, and they just don't feel that there's a connection there. And Mm. they really don't describe what the reason is. And the only, I mean, thing that, that pops up in my mind is, again, that coaching is so really dealing about the present, right? So when you start... When a client comes to me, for example, a new client that I just signed up, she's feeling very lost. And, you know, she's a young woman with a young child, and she's married. And all of a sudden she feels like her life's been taken away from her, her career, her, you know, her connection to her child, her connection to her husband. So, and this, and I'm trying to shed some light on maybe what the difference is. So, but first we're we're kind of working with the cancer experience and all the emotions that are coming up around that. So we're kind of talking about that first and acknowledging and validating. But then the other life stuff comes up, and we talk about that too, and where those feelings of guilt and you know anger and fear are coming from. So it's kind of, you know, maybe the differences, and I don't know the answer to this question. Maybe the therapists are trying to deal too much in the past. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But I think coaching, and for me, you know, I struggle with because I feel like um, I want to have my own style of coaching. But, you know, I feel like, and we all as coaches meet our clients where they're at. So what is the most critical thing that they need to Uh, You know, some of them just need – I did a complimentary coaching session for somebody that I saw online the other day was struggling and having a really hard time, so I sent her a message. I said, hey, you know, if you want to jump on the phone for 15, 20 minutes, I'm happy to do it for nothing. Um, And she said, yes, and sometimes I'll do that and people will say no, and that's fine because they're not Mm -hmm. ready. But all this woman wanted to do was – to, and she was she had a diagnosis, but she didn't realize she was healthy and she was okay, and she was done with her treatment. But all she wanted to do was express and cry with me, um, and tell me that she never really expressed her emotions and that her family didn't understand that she's not just better now physically or healthily, mm-hmm. health, you know, in health wise with her cancer, or she doesn't have the cancer, but she had all these emotions coming to the table. And I really, you know, didn't, I mean, I asked her some questions, but I really just left the phone open for her to just 
get out whatever she needed to get out and just just acknowledge, you know, everything that she was feeling was so normal. And that's where I think really the connection for coaching survivors comes in, you know, having someone having, you know, gone down the same road. No, I haven't gone down the same road as her, but I can understand the emotion and, you know, the reaction to others and then how you, you know, you go back and fit into life. So, you know, it's so powerful. Mm, you know, and I don't know if I got off topic with that. No, no, you explained it <laughs> I get beautifully. I so into it. <laughs> <laughs> and you are, I mean, the, the, the cancer world is so fortunate to have you um, as as a really, becoming a really big voice in the cancer community as a coach because you do this so well. Your heart is in it and you really understand what's going on. And any uh, life-altering uh, experience such as traumatic brain injuries or cancer diagnosis, you may look fine afterwards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you are forever changed. Mm-hmm. And when you've you've had something that's traumatic like that, mm-hmm. um, you it just changes your whole perspective. And it's true, your your friends and people who are closest to you want you to be back to normal because mm-hmm. they were very frightened too at at the possibility of you know losing the person they knew and loved so they want they just want to put it behind them if you if you look fine they want to put it behind them but the fact is it's still something you know our body has been changed whether it's through surgery whether it's you know our brain being banged around and damaged um and having to relearn the new normal and so that can be a very a very challenging thing especially yeah. when someone does not have a a safe place to express that and feels really bizarre like what's wrong with me why can't i move forward with my life so that is what right. you're providing and and that is what coaching provides um so thank you for explaining all of yeah, that. Yeah, no, and and Jan, I actually want to touch on something that you said because it kind of just jumped out and resonated um with me. So, I want to thank you for your comments as well. So, you're absolutely right. So, the caregivers or the people who are around the survivors, they're feeling so unstable and out of control so that when the treatment ends, and I'm just realizing this now even though I knew it, but it's bringing more clarity around it for me. So it's like for them it's a relief and it's like, oh, my God, thank God, I can sweep this all under the rug now. She's fine. Mm -hmm. Let's just get back Mm -hmm. to normal life. So that's where the disconnect is. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's all this question, you know, why why aren't you the same as you were before? Everything's fine. But you're not. You're forever changed. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, they call those, you know, invisible disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that that other people, they, especially the people who love us, don't want to see it uh, you mm-hmm. know, they, because it's too painful mm-hmm. and too frightening. Absolutely. So um, now we're going to get into something a little more, you know, a, a little heavier here. And I'm heavier. wondering, <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you say to someone who comes to you Who's just uh, been diagnosed? Who just been diagnosed with a terminal cancer, like end stage pancreatic or ovarian? Um, let's say they've just had the diagnosis, you know, um, and it's it it doesn't present um, a really a good future. That that there's they have a limitation 
you know, on their time, that, that they, they may be doing some treatment, uh, you know, like heavy chemo or, uh, but we know that um, mo- the majority of pancreatic cancer and ovarian cancer, which is usually only diagnosed when it's end stage. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you, yeah. yeah, how do you deal with that? Because uh, I, I do you deal with it any differently or um, than right. someone yeah, maybe no. who comes to you who's who's so, who's gone through you know breast cancer surgery or absolutely, something? Absolutely um, amazing, you know, and great question, and also applies to um, breast cancer uh, mm-hmm. yeah. survivors as well because some of the um, you know luckily I I wasn't diagnosed with a form of aggressive cancer, and yes, it mm-hmm. can come back, but there are so many that are so aggressive, so. I want to answer this question by deferring to um, a friend of mine who was a fellow coach who, you know, was um, diagnosed with a late-stage cancer. And then as we got to know each other, um, and she actually taught me a lot. So I, she wasn't a client. She was a friend. But I also want um, part of the beauty of coaching, and as you know this, Jan, is not only are we, we helping our clients, um, and serving them and allowing them to move on and take action, but we're also learning from them. You know, they're mm-hmm. opening us up as well. So this friend of mine then got diagnosed with, you know, um, uh, really, you know, bad news, stage 4 cancer. And mm-hmm. um, basically, and I actually have another uh, reference to another client as well, but Basically, her doctors told her, you know, you need to get on disability and enjoy your life, um, enjoy, just enjoy the rest of your mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. she wasn't taking that as an answer. Um, and, you know, it really shed a, some light on me in terms of coaching and even, you know, in terms of how my mother um, dealt with her late-stage uh, diagnosis. There's always hope. And, you know, despite... So the way I would coach a client around this is um, actually had another client who, you know, went to her doctor and he said, and said, you know, I, I would really like to talk to, and it's amazing, you know, I'm not putting doctors down, but this is where coaching is so so much needed. You know, so, okay, I want to talk to other patients who have metastatic breast cancer who, you know, have have my the stage that I was diagnosed in, and I want to speak to them um, about how they live their life moving forward. And the doctor literally said to her, I have no one to refer you to. I, I can't give you anyone to speak to. And I was floored because even the work that I do in Living Beyond Breast Cancer as a help, volunteer helpline attendant, um, most of them have metastatic breast cancer, and so many of them live beyond their diagnosis. So... Mm-hmm. You know, there's again, there's a reality in cancer. People are going to die from it, but there's also a mind, spirit, body um, piece in there. You know, and your attitude has a lot to do with it. Um, but basically, I would encourage them, and it's again, this is not easy. It's up to every individual um, and how they want to live their journey moving forward. And I've actually, it's kind of made me reference my own mortality. So how do you want to live your life moving forward? Obviously, you know, if you're feeling sick and you can't partake in any activity, let go of the guilt or worry or anger that's attached to that and sleep for the day. And when you can be 
um, more active or doing something that you love, do it. You know, have a friend over and then ask them to leave. Or So really, and th- this friend of mine who ultimately passed at a very um, young age, what I experienced from her was that she lived her life daily. She she knew what the future was, but she didn't um, live it. She continued to pursue every remedy um, in her scope, whether it was medical, alternative. She went to the ends of the earth, her, you know, her and her family, to, you know, to live. She had a desire to live, and I was extremely impressed at how, even through these difficult moments. She did live her life. She lived her life till, to its fullest until the point where she couldn't. And, you know, I'm sorry, but that's the reality. So it's really up to the individual. It's a choice that they have to make on how they want to live their days, whether it's two days, two weeks, ten years, mm-hmm. you know. So, so, yeah, I mean, but it, that's, again, so beautiful the way, you know, what you just said. And it's true. We are all, you know, what we don't like to admit this but the reality is we are all dying right we're mm-hmm. all going to die and we all are dying from the moment we're born um mm-hmm. i mean that sounds morbid but it's the truth and so sometimes some of us know when it's going to happen and you know most of us don't um and so what you're describing is, is when is when you know um to live each day and continue living which is you know not so it's not so easy mm-hmm. but um that's it sounds like what you're what you're describing so then let me ask you this so how do you help prepare a client for their own death you know that's um an interesting question and um I actually want to go back to a reference. I'm sure that you can get this book on audible.com, a book that I recently read, and and you know how synchronicity happens. You know, you pick something Mm -hmm. up and you read it, and it's at just the right moment. So this book, Broken Open, is a very powerful book, and at one time um, it talks about um, embracing death or embracing dying and and in that regard, it doesn't mean, um, and you know, I'll get to the to the impetus of the question. But so, Im- I think when we embrace death, meaning either physical death, um, loss of a relationship, loss of anything mm. in life, when we are able to get to a, a place of acceptance in that, there's no fear. So we're mm-hmm. able to, you know, and, and again, not an easy concept allow life to unfold um but again so just the mindset you know how do they want to live their their life uh, every day i mean anything can happen you can have a cancer diagnosis stage four and be given two weeks to live and you know fall in the street and break a hip and go into the hospital and mm-hmm. you know have some complications so again i would ask them what their options are and what their choices are um, mm-hmm. You know, and how how did it, it's not up to me, it's up to them. You know, how do they want to? Um, you know, do they want to go on a trip? Or I mean, and I wouldn't suggest things. That, you know, we would kind of explore and 
So how do you want to, you know, live out your last days? Do you want to, you know, stop working and be with loved ones? Do, you know, obviously if you're feeling sick, you're, you, you know, you're going to have to lay down. But I think acceptance is key and, again, not so easy um, because there's also that, a fine line there. You know, there's still that fight or that will to live. So, again, I think just being with their emotions um and you know accepting them and be able to being able to release them and being able to take to be in pleasure when you can be pleasure and unfortunately you know when you're in pain you have to experience the pain and and mm. you know you know one of our principles um in coaching is you know pain is inevitable suffering is optional so i think mm-hmm. maybe you have a choice to suffer when you die or a choice to, and I don't even know, you know, if this is right or wrong, but I'm just trying to bring it to light or be in pain when you die or be ready to die or, you know, just have mm-hmm. that acceptance. And I've seen it with people that I lost. I think there comes a point in their lives when they do accept um, death and they are ready to go. And, I, and I, I'm sure you've heard similar stories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's... Again, I mean that's I know that's a tough that's a tough job to prepare somebody mm. for for their death and I mean you're obviously helping them decide how they want to live and to live rather than just you know die the rest of the the time that they've had given to them make every opportunity or take every opportunity and to I think live it's also each about day. Ha- having conversations that you don't necessarily want to have. So right. who's going to be in charge of your will or who's going to have a health proxy right. or who you right. know, do you want to be at home, do you want to be in hospice or do you want to be exactly. in the hospital? You know, not conversations that you want to have, but conversations that have to be had at the right time. But, yeah, but often people who are dying really want to have those they're they're curious they want to you know there's a comfort in in being able to discuss how you want to spend your last days and perhaps even how you want to die where you want yeah. to be yeah. and comfort in knowing that loose ends are tied up um, yeah and actually with this friend I was you know I went to her funeral and I was actually like I I I the feeling I had was kind of inexplicable because again this was something new to me um, she actually had involvement in her ceremony. So to me, that was just, I, I couldn't even describe it. And it, and for me, it kept her alive. You know, it was there was still life there. She was still participating in her life even after she was gone. Um, what do you mean? Can you ex- or clarify so that words, a little bit more involvement? Yeah, so she had, um, you know, some choices in how the services were uh, going to go and how some, you know, music was going to play and things like that, you know. So she had helped plan it and organize exactly. it. Well, that is, that's really lovely, but that's part of, and I guess at being a coach, she had more awareness mm. about, you know, her feelings and what she wanted to do, even if maybe beforehand someone may have said, oh, that's morbid. You know, but right, that right, was right. actually a beautiful thing. And, and she actually you know, taught me and opened me mm-hmm, up, like, wow, mm-hmm. you know, this is, you know, people can actually do this. It's it's really crazy and not something you want to have a conversation about, but 
Look, she's right. participating. It, she's not here, she's part, but she participated. It's that crazy. That is really lovely in, in every way. And the other thing that you do for your clients who are facing the end of their lives is that you do something very important that you mentioned. It's holding space for everything they're feeling because often, you know, people are concerned about when people are really ill. They're very concerned about other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I've, I had a, a period in my life where I was very ill. This wasn't my head injuries. It was something else. And I was, I was in intensive care and I was dying. And, um, you, you, it de- depending on who you are, but th- there was a piece about it for me. But was it was very concerning to me. It was exhausting when I had somebody, a family member whom I loved, my father, visit me, and I saw the pain in his eyes when he looked at me. Mm-hmm. And it was exhausting to. I would never have wanted to talk to him about any feelings I had, um, mm-hmm. because I didn't want to hurt him. I just, I. It was exhausting to just bring the energy up to have a visitor. And um, so, you know, I'm I'm sure this is not an isolated thing that I was experiencing. Not and at so, all. so to have the luxury and the gift of someone holding space for you when you are ill and at the end of your life mm-hmm. um, is a huge, huge gift and a huge thing for uh, someone who is at the end of their life to experience and to be able to to utilize. So um, that is, again, something else that coaching can do, and especially not every coach, but a, a very gifted coach like Gina. Um, I am just blown away by the fact that um, we are <laughs> at the end of the show and I just can't believe, you know, I just don't know where the time has gone. It's been such a wonderful and informative show today. And um, so I just, we're just about out of time. So I'd really like to thank my incredible guest, Gina Costa, for her generosity of spirit, her vulnerability, and her participation in today's show. I'd also like to remind our listeners that in life, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. While life can offer some overwhelming challenges, we never know what is on the other side of the mountain we may find ourselves presented to climb. There can be great growth through challenge and pain, and there are often more options than we believe we have. I'm Jan Jaffe of Forward to Success, and it has been my privilege to have been your host today. I would like to offer our listeners a free 30-minute discovery session. For more information, you can email me at info at forwardtosuccess.com. That's info, I-N-F-O, at forwardtosuccess.com. I also want to remind our listeners that you're invited to share any comments or feedback on our website, which is http colon forward slash forward slash www.lifecoachradionetworks.com. In addition to my solo interview show, Your Best Life, airing on the second Wednesday of every month at 12 noon Eastern on this network, where I interview fascinating guests on many topics from all walks of life, I also host Think Tank, a roundtable discussion with my brilliant co-hosts, 
Kathy Aquino, and Sharissa Sebastian. Think Tank airs the fourth Wednesday of every month at 12 noon. I would be delighted if you would join us for the next episode of Think Tank on August 26th at 12 noon Eastern. Gina, would you like to share any closing thoughts or comments with our listening audience? I would. First of all, um, Jan, I I just want to thank you immensely, and I have so much gratitude for you having walked into my life. Um, Your friendship and camaraderie as a colleague means more than you know to me, and I think you're an amazing um, host and coach. You know all the right questions to ask you. Hang with every word. Um, You are simply amazing. so thank you for this opportunity and you know to our listeners you know just know that you have choices um, and there's always so many options out there and whether or not you choose you know to speak to a therapist or a coach just make sure that relationship is the right one for you Um, and if anybody wants to reach out to me you know also like to offer a free complimentary coaching session you can find me at www.newbeginningswithgina.com um, or email me at gina at newbeginningswithgina.com. And Jan, I just want to thank you. Um, I think this was just an amazing show with, with all the right questions, um, which, you know, if you have the right questions, you're going to elicit the right answers. So thank you very much for this. Oh, well, thank you so much, Gina. My goodness. And thank you. You know, you just, uh, I'm so honored by your words. Thank you. And thank you you for being. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you for being on the show today. You're just always such an amazing uh, guest and co host. So thank you. Um, I'm just going to take a moment now to announce a few of our upcoming shows on this. The Life Coach Radio Network at August 6th, on August 16th at 9 p.m. Mark my words with Certified Life and Business Coach Mark Shaw. On August 21st at 12 noon, uh, Marguerite DeWeese. On August 26th at 12 noon, Think Tank: Decisions, Decisions, How to Make Them, How to Live with Them. With me, Jan Jaffe. Kathy Aquino, and Sharissa Sebastian. On August 28th at 5 p.m., Influential Connections with Amina, Interview with Ana Chiara. And on our sister network, uh, the Life Coach Chat Channel, August 12th at 2 p.m., so that's today in an hour, Spread Your Wings of Faith and Fly, Trusting Your Intuition to Push Through Fear. On August 18th at 7 p.m., Transform Your Life with Coach Tamara, Conversations with My Younger Self, Part 2. And on August 21st at 12 noon, Business Lunch with Michael O'Brien. I want to again thank my wonderful guest, Gina Costa, for joining me today and making this show a special one. And I also want to remind our listeners that if you want to uh, look for any contact information, uh, you can find it in the description for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Goodbye. Bye-bye.
Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Today, Bridget Griffin shared a video of her daily yoga routine, two self-help articles, and her new blog called Build Your Inner Bridge with Bridge. Girl, your sharing has turned into oversharing. No worries, Bridge. Geico has some info worth sharing with your seven blog followers, like how you could save money on your car insurance, update your policy, and report a claim just by visiting geico.com. How's that for building your inner bridge? Bridge, Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.